Welcome to Conversations with Mayi Lenz. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me, but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean, leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for, and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. Let's learn and grow together. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at why positive thinking doesn't work and what to do instead with Anne Hens. She's a spiritual teacher, public speaker, and author. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. If you're new to the family, thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe wherever you listen to audio podcasts. Let's welcome our guest to the show. Hello, Anne. I'm so happy to have you back here with us today. <laughs> Hi, thank you. It's great to be back again. <laughs> then we can tell a little bit of uh, that story when we talk about signals to our audience and why I'm saying hello and welcome back to the show to you too. <laughs> when you were 19 years old, you woke up one morning to find your mom dead face down in your bathroom. 20 years later, those tears were still under the surface from that trauma. Can you talk to us a little bit about that story? And how did you get to the point of telling your story without emotions getting in your way? Okay, yes, it took a lot of work to get to that point. <laughs> and I didn't realize I was holding that trauma. You know, in those early years of our life, we get programmed with how to deal with things, right? In my family, we never talked about anything. We never talked about emotions. We never never went back and talked about what happened. So even after my mother's death at 19, I just continued with life. I didn't know that you could do anything other than that. I didn't know therapy existed. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know the benefits of working through traumas that I'd experienced. So I just carried on with life. I moved out to the States when I was 21. I got married, I had kids, I had a job, just carried on with life until something happened when I was in my late 30s. And it was a business altercation with a couple of other mothers at my boys' school. And they were very self-confident, self-assured, authority-type women. And I was this scared mother on the inside and they told me I had done something wrong. Right? So I did not think I'd done anything wrong, but because of how they were, my mind just spun out of control. It just went over and over what they'd said, what I had said, what I could have said, what could have happened, but what did happen. And it was three days before I could kind of get that under control. And it was at that point that I realized, okay, this is not normal. <laughs> normal people do not react this intensely to something that really wasn't that big a deal. And that's when I realized, okay, it felt a little bit like how I would react when my dad would tell me I'd done something wrong. And that was the first time I realized that maybe something from my childhood is still affecting me to this day. 
And that was when I realized, okay, maybe I need to start looking at that. How did you learn to deal with those emotions? You decided to take a step back and after having these interactions with these two moms who looked so confident to you and who doesn't want that, right? But maybe they looked like they had it all together, but maybe they didn't. Yes, absolutely. Right. We hide things inside really well. I was really good at hiding things inside. Yeah. And I didn't really know what to do at the time. I didn't know what to do about it. I just had this realization I needed to do something. And it was in that time frame that I went to a doctor's appointment. I don't remember why I went to the appointment, but I know it was nothing to do with emotions or my past or anything. And he happened to be a holistic physician. He was also a parent at the school. So he knew me outside of school and he knew that my situation was pretty good. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had two healthy boys, right? It shouldn't have been particularly stressful, but he recognized I was more stressed than I should be. And he asked me on a scale of zero through 10 what my stress level was. And I said it was an eight, which surprised him. And then he asked me why. And it was that question of why are you so stressed given your situation that made me realize, oh, it was finding my mother dead on the bathroom floor two decades ago because the tears were still just under the surface. So he happened to know this technique that is called EFT, which is short for emotional freedom technique. And it's also called tapping because we're tapping on our body as we're talking something through. And he tapped with me about my mother's death for about 15 minutes. And I walked away from that appointment, being able to tell the story of her death in my mind without the emotions there for the first time ever. And that's when I realized that we hold all those memories and those emotions physically in our body and that we can let them go which was a huge eye-opening moment for me. Was this the first thing you're trying, the EFT tapping? That's a good question. I actually don't remember. Um, you know, I tried, I did many things over the years, like in my 20s and 30s. I looked outside of myself, right? I, I changed diets. I did multiple different diets, all sorts of different diets to see if it would make me feel better. And things would change for a little while. I even did positive thinking, right? Trying to think positive thoughts for a while. <laughs> and I recognize it. That wasn't working either. So I did look outside of myself many times. I read a lot of things, listened to a lot of spiritual teachers. And, you know, some of that helped with my understanding. But it wasn't until this moment. And I think it's the physical aspect of tapping mm. on the meridian systems, on the body, that actually releases that tension from the nervous system. So I needed to find this technique in order to start working through things fast and myself. I wanted to be able to do it myself. And EFT allowed me to do that. Oh, wow. So did you try any other modalities before trying EFT, um, after trying EFT? After trying EFT, I did, I did kind of look into a few things. I never found one that was as powerful. Ah, so you like kind of married to EFT because that worked for you. Right. Now, it was only the first step in the journey, right? So I did develop another technique later on. But yes, when, and what I did is I went home that day and I researched it online. I wanted to find out everything I could about it. And it's, it's a very simple technique. And you can learn everything you can about it online because the person who developed it, Gary Craig, gave it away for free. So it's all available online. So I learned everything I could about it. And then because I, I was an engineer, I kind of have that 
mind. I didn't, I didn't want to waste my time on something that wasn't going to work. So I wanted to try it out myself. That was your logical thinking. <laughs> yes. I wanted to know that that one time with the doctor was not just a fluke, right? I wanted to see if it worked a second time. So I happened to have this 17-year-old cat at home at the time. And he was just starting to fail. His kidneys were starting to fail. So we were told that we needed to give him a daily saline shot. And I was the one who had to do that. And the first time I gave him a shot, my hand was shaking so badly. I was so afraid of giving him the shot. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it every day, but I had to do it every day. So I thought, okay, I will try out this technique, EFT, on this one simple thing with this cat. So I tapped about it. And with EFT, you tap about every aspect of something. So there were multiple aspects to this one small fear. So I tapped about my hand shaking. I tapped about my fear of hurting the cat. And I tapped about all my memories from all the injections I had had in childhood, which was a lot. And the next day when I gave him that shot, the needle just slid right in. All that fear that had been living inside of me the day before had totally gone. So that's when I realized two things. I realized first, EFT is deceptively powerful. Doesn't look like it's doing much, but it really is. And that's when I realized I wanted to be on the other side of that fear, right? There was freedom there. I could feel that freedom and I wanted that freedom. So that was what really set me on the path. Okay, I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna learn how to use it every day. And I did use it every day. I started to use it every day started to notice when I was becoming emotional and then I would tap and bring myself back to peace. So I could, I could tell there were changes happening, but I wanted more and I wanted faster. So what I did is I wrote down every emotional memory I could think of from my childhood and my years up to that point, which was my late thirties. And I tapped through one each night for an hour to an hour and a half each night and went through, just released the energy or the emotion from all those traumas so that they just became neutral. They just became words or a story that I could tell without emotion behind. And I noticed life changing, right? I was becoming less reactionary. I was becoming peaceful and it was so nice. <laughs> so what was the technique that you develop? Is it as an extension of EFT tapping or it's is it something like, completely different well it's just a deeper level of awareness so what i realized is eft is opening up the subconscious mind and as it opens up the subconscious mind the awareness expands so like for example for an event that happens right say say someone when it was in a car accident right the the memories we have in our mind are just the surface level so right we might remember the we might remember the sounds of the crash perhaps right and we might remember the things that happened as a storyline but as we tap through it we will remember more details so we might start to remember lights right that's a, a something that was hidden before we might have just heard the sounds and underneath is hidden something like the lights and then underneath might be hidden the smells right so as we tap through it our awareness of what happened expands and as you become more aware, I actually became aware of the physical sensations underneath the emotions, right? So I first became aware of the story. I could tell the story of my mother's death. Then I became aware of the emotions I felt around her death. And then I became aware of the physical sensations underneath the emotions. 
So for example, right, we say, we say we're angry or I'm, I'm frustrated. When, when I say the words, I'm frustrated, that's the emotion. But the, underneath the frustration, I'm holding myself tense in certain places, right? Those are the physical sensations underneath the emotion. So for me, when I feel I'm frustrated, I can feel tension in my abdomen. So that's a deeper level of awareness. I did not have that awareness when I began, right? If I had said I'm frustrated, I would have just known the word and not that physical sensation. So I became aware of that. And I happened to be in a group at the time. We were studying A Course in Miracles and the guy in the group, kind of the head guru in the group, would say every week, he would say, it's not about meditation. You don't have to meditate. It's all about feeling your feelings. But at the beginning of the group, that's when I started my EFT journey. And so I didn't know what my, what the physical sensations or the feelings were at the beginning when I started. But as the weeks went by, and he would say this every week, as the weeks went by, I became aware of those physical sensations. And then I thought one day, okay, maybe I should try and do what he says. He says it's all about feeling your feelings. What does that mean? <laughs> okay, so now I'm aware of my feelings. So what does it mean to feel them? So I tried this one day of standing at the kitchen sink doing the dishes and I would catch a thought that had some emotion attached. So it might be something like, I'm afraid of making this phone call. So I would think that thought and then I would find where that tension was, that fear was inside of me. And it would be mostly in my solar plexus area. Okay, so then I would feel that feelings because that's what he said, it's feeling your feelings. But I noticed if I moved or if I took another breath, I would lose my focus on the feelings. So I realized, okay, I have to hold myself like a statue. I have to feel that fear inside of me, hold myself like a statue and stop breathing. I wouldn't take any more breath. I would oh feel, I would, I would stop <laughs> in my breath when I was, when I could feel that fear. And I would just feel it. I would, I would talk to it in my mind. Okay, I can feel this fear. I can feel this tension right in my solar plexus. I just want to feel you. I want to allow you to be felt because it was so used to being suppressed. I'd spent decades suppressing this fear and now I'm actually allowing it to be felt. And at some point I need to take a deep breath, obviously, and I'd let it go. And then I would think the thought again, okay, I'm afraid of making this phone call. And I would feel that fear and it would have subsided somewhat. It wouldn't be as intense. So I would do the same thing. Stop, hold myself like a statue, just feel that fear, allow it to be felt, and it would dissipate again. So I would do it over and over again with the same thought until the thought just became words. There's no emotion, there's no attachments to it anymore. And at that point, it's free and it feels really good. So I call that feeling your feelings. And I started doing that instead of doing the tapping because it felt deeper. It was deeper. It's a deeper level of awareness. I normally feel the tension, like everything goes to my shoulders. When something is about to happen or whenever I feel like wherever the issue might be, it's like here, I'm holding it like right here. And I was never like really aware of that. It's just that like now I feel more tension. Like I can now feel that what you were saying about feeling that, but I need to try that. <laughs> right, because we tend to try and avoid it, right? We'll do right. something to try and relieve it physically and we'll try and suppress it, right? We'll try and avoid it. This is actually feeling it, putting attention on it 
accepting it and allowing it to feel whatever it feels. And it might feel painful, it might feel tight tension, it might feel sharp, but allowing that feeling to be felt because it's calling for our attention, right? Pain is calling for our attention. So if you give it the attention, it releases. Wow. Because I usually think, oh, well, maybe I just need a massage. Maybe if somebody just gives me a massage and it will go away. And and it usually doesn't go away (laughs) because it wasn't a massage that I needed. (laughs) Well, it sometimes feels better for a little while, right? But it will come back. Right. right. So yeah, this is, this does, it feels slightly different. It's a different way of thinking about it. It's just focusing on it and accepting it. And, and it sometimes takes a lot of work, right? A lot of attention, but each time you're releasing a little bit and it, yeah, over time it, it does release. You mentioned, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, signals. How can we change our signal to attract different results because it seems like and just talk to us a little bit about what that even means changing your signals we get stuck we want different results and then we just keep stuck in like the hamster wheel we just keep in the same wheel going around and around and around nothing changes because we're still on the same frequency I guess (laughs) Can, can you talk a little bit about that yeah sure I know a lot of us have heard about the law of attraction in the past, you know, and that's kind of how I talk about it in terms of the law of attraction, Mm. but I think of the law of attraction differently, right? The law of attraction is just a universal law. It's working all the time, right? So we're always attracting into our future something based on the signal that we're emitting now. And our signal is the whole of us. It's not just our thoughts that some people talk about. It's the whole of us. It's everything about us. It's our gender. It's our size. It's our shape. It's our clothes, right? If we wear something different than we normally wear and we go out, we get different attraction. We get different words attracted back to us, right? People will say something different because we are different. It's also our hair. It's everything about us, but it's also our thoughts. But the biggest part that I've realized of our signal is the tension that we hold inside from our past Mm. and there is so much more tension inside than we realize it's that it's also the programming that we've experienced in childhood that's where our signal gets set it's especially those first seven years of life we get programmed into how to deal with things and we suppress things in those first years of life right every time a a parent says to a child oh stop crying right or i'll give you something to cry about suck it up or (laughs) right All those phrases, a child holds inside what they should have expressed, right? What naturally they would have let out. And that is held inside as tension and becomes part of our signal. So then we come into adulthood and that's part of our signal and we emit that signal. We attract back based on that signal. So we attract the same thing over and over again. It might not be exactly the same thing, right? It will be different people, different situations, but it will be the same feeling inside that we have experienced before. And we replay that over and over again. So the way to change that is to notice how we're reacting, what we're feeling, and to feel that and let that change. So you can do that with EFT, right? EFT is really powerful in doing that. The first step is noticing though, right? We actually have to notice, oh, look at me, I'm getting angry, or I'm getting frustrated, or I'm sad. 
And then you can tap on that feeling, which changes the signal in the body. The next time you're not going to react exactly the same way. It's going to be a little less intense. And then you catch it then. You do the same thing again. The next time your signal is different. You're going to react slightly differently. And if you do it enough times, you're no longer triggered the same way. And you actually can remain at peace regardless of what happens around you. So the, the, that's how, what you said about positive thinking, that doesn't work. Because it's not like just thinking that we're going to change and the results are going to change. Right. Because underneath, that's not your truth. Right. So when you try and think positively, you're actually suppressing what you're actually thinking underneath or what you're actually feeling underneath. So now positive thoughts themselves are great if they occur naturally. But if you're trying to think them, you're actually suppressing what's underneath. So what you want to do is when you want to catch what's underneath. Right. What is it I'm actually feeling? Am I feeling broke? Am I feeling sad? What am I feeling? If I can find that truth, I can tap on it using EFT. Or if I have a deeper awareness, I can feel those feelings and allow that signal to shift so that it's going to change my future. Yeah. And, and talking about signals, because I said it at the beginning, <laughs> we this is the second recording we're doing. And this had happened to me almost in two years, just two times <laughs> that I have to admit. And I was telling you, oh, my God, I am so sorry. Somehow the recording didn't happen. <laughs> and I was like just bidding myself up and saying, oh, my God, I am so sorry. And blah, blah. And you said, it's OK. I'm OK with it. it it's you. You're. <laughs> I, I just couldn't get over it. I was like, oh, my God, what is she going to think? She's not going to come back. <laughs> it was so good. We had such an amazing conversation, but I was transmitting a signal of something that I couldn't control. And you said, it's okay. Can right. you tell me a little bit about that? Because <laughs> I was beating myself up and you were like, just like nothing. I'm like, how can you be so calm? <laughs> well, I was calm because I've done all the work, right? So I'm not triggered by that anymore. But, but you were sitting in the place of beating yourself up. And then that was your signal that you were emitting in that moment, right? That was not a nice feeling signal. And if you're emitting that nice feeling, not, not nice feeling signal, right? Of beating yourself up, you're attracting that back into your future, right? So if you can catch yourself in that moment and realize, okay, it was, it's all okay. She's fine with it. I can be fine with it, right? Then you, you're, allowing yourself to relax in the moment and your signal then becomes more peaceful and that's what you're attracting into the future now that's that's working through the mind right that's that's not exactly what i did right because if i was doing it i would tap on it i would tap using the word something like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that was so horrible i wish that hadn't happened right all the thoughts and, and i know you can't all see me but i'm tapping as i'm saying those words I would tap through those thoughts that were coming to my mind over and over again, right? I would keep tapping on those thoughts until they just become words. Until right? you release. emotion around them, right? That's actually releasing it from your body so that next time you think differently, you react differently because you'll have, you'll have worked through it next. You'll, you'll have worked through it now so that next time if it happens again, I hope for you it doesn't happen again. But if next time, if it does happen again, you will react differently. Right. Yeah. Right. 
because now you know, okay, it'll, it'll be okay. <laughs> Even if they don't want to come back, it will be okay, right? And if you do that next time and do a little tapping next time, you'll get to the place where, okay, that wasn't supposed to happen. That recording wasn't supposed to happen. Maybe we'll do it again. Maybe we won't. And either way is fine. I love it. <laughs> and then your world changes, right? When you don't react as much and you can stay at peace regardless of what happens, you're changing your future. So you, your whole world starts to change around you. Something really interesting that I've never heard before. When we had that conversation um, last week, you were talking about something that happened and with you traveling and something different that you did was tapping on somebody else, not on you, but a child. Like, so you were doing it to somebody else. And I was like, so intrigued because I was like, okay, wait a second. So this works not only on you, but also doing it to somebody else. How does that yeah, it does. work? It's that physical aspect of tapping because you're tapping on the meridian systems. You're letting the nervous energy release from the nervous system. So you can do it on someone else. You can do it like on an aged parent or something. You could also do it on a child. So I was, yeah, I was on an airplane. I was going on a long journey from San Francisco to Barcelona in Spain. It was going to be a long plane ride. And there was a baby in his mother's arms who was screaming on takeoff and was still screaming when we got to 30,000 feet. And you know how passengers on planes do not like screaming babies. And she must have been so embarrassed. So I brought up this courage inside of me, which took a little while because I knew this technique worked, right? But would it be okay working on someone else? So I did. I actually asked the father if he would swap places with me. And then I sat next to the mother and asked her if it was okay if I tapped gently on her son. And she said yes. So I gently tapped on his points, two or three rounds, and he just fell asleep in his mother's arms. He just relaxed. And that's what EFT does. And as that happened, obviously the whole energy in the plane changed mm. because everyone peace. was thankful <laughs> and grateful. Yes, <laughs> peace. <laughs> so that that can change everything around us, right? Because if we come back to peace, if we're really anxious, people pick it up, right? But if we bring ourselves back to peace, we change those people around us too. We can bring them back to peace as well. So yeah, it's a really useful tool to, to know how to use. Yeah, and as mothers, we know that, and my kids were pretty good when they were, when they were small. Um, they didn't like, maybe once, honestly, at the store, they gave me one of those tantrum but they were pretty good but it's you know it's like that feeling that you just want to like grab them and say oh it's shush <laughs> I but that's our work right that's our work if if we know the technique EFT and we experience something like that probably at home it would be easier to do it at home then we would tap on ourselves first Right. We would want to bring ourselves back to peace. Right. If we're really frustrated or really embarrassed because they're screaming out loud and they're having a tantrum and it's feeling we're feeling tense on the inside. We want to work with ourselves to bring ourselves back to peace. That makes it easier for them to come back to peace. Right. And then if they're willing, we could also tap on them. But it's always ourself right. first. Yeah. You believe that 
changing our inside changes our outside. And you've been talking about it throughout this conversation. And doing that tapping on somebody else, changing the energy, you believe that we can change the world if we change our personal world as a collective. How do we do that? (laughs) Well, it all comes back to self again, right? We all have our own feelings about things that are happening, right? We all have our own experience. We sometimes think like if we're watching the news, okay, the, the war in Ukraine, that that's nothing to do with us, right? Or we're looking at the politicians, right? We think, well, maybe that's that's nothing to do with us, but we have feelings about it, right? So if we can become aware of those feelings, right? And a lot of times it's suppressed, right? We might watch the news and think, oh, that's nothing to do with us. And we don't realize we're having feelings, But if we do enough tapping, that awareness expands and we become aware that, oh, we really do have some feelings about what's happening in the news, right? So if we then do that work of releasing that tension inside of us and we become at at peace, we get to the place of peace, regardless of what we're hearing on the news, that changes us and that changes what's happening in the news, right? So... That's our work. All our individual work is to feel the feelings inside, right? It might be frustration. It might be anger, right, with politicians or, uh, well, yeah, even with politicians in Russia, whoever. If we're feeling that, we can let that go, come to peace ourselves, and then we're attracting peace into our future, right? If we can work on a small scale, it can also work on a large scale, So we need to bring ourselves back to peace regardless of what's happening around us. And then that changes our future. So let's talk a little bit about body image. Because as a photographer, I talk a lot about beauty and body um, issues, confidence, how to feel confidence, how to show up authentically. But we know that working through trauma can take a long time. For somebody that is having body image, uh, problems and that can show up in overeating or undereating. We know that media, and when I say media, it's you know uh, social media or magazines have this image that it's that, that as women we're supposed to be this perfect you know body with a certain size everywhere. <laughs> the proportions have to be like this unattainable. How can this help somebody that is working through those trauma? Does it does it work or is it just like trauma? It works with pretty much everything, right? But the, the key is finding finding the resistance, finding our truth in the moment, right? So if we have a body image issue, what is it, right? What is the fear? There's probably fear there. We want to get all the aspects to it, right? So um, am I afraid of eating? If so, why am I afraid of eating? I'm afraid of eating because I'm going to gain too much weight or I'm going to get unhealthy. What is the actual truth there, right? And finding the truth in the moment and tapping through it, right? So if I can tap through that I'm afraid of eating, that's the surface layer. Then the next layer is going to pop up, right? We're opening up the subconscious mind and all the information is in the subconscious mind, all those memories, everything is in there. All those images you stored from all the magazines, It's all inside of us in our subconscious mind. So as we tap through, I'm afraid of eating. 
something will pop up, a memory will pop up, or another thought will pop up, and that will be the next layer. Then we'll tap on that. Right? Maybe we've experienced teasing in a childhood, right, for being too fat or for eating too much, right? That thought will come to mind. It will be very individual for each person, and you'll tap through that, right? So we'll we'll tap through all the memories of the, those issues. We might have a friend or a sibling or someone who went through a similar thing, or we might've heard a story on television or seen someone in a movie who went through a similar thing. All those memories are kind of all associated with the same issue. And we would tap through all of those until there's no longer any charge left about those stories that we've heard or those past experiences inside of us, because it's all connected. It's so connected. It's hard to explain to someone how connected it is but it's very connected. All those stories are connected around the same issue. So if we tap through them all, there's no longer any charge there, then we can start working deeper. Okay, I'm afraid of eating this food, right? I'm afraid of eating something that's full of fat, right? That, that might have some deeper emotions or feelings. We tap through that and that becomes just with no charge, right? If there's no charge left anymore and you can eat that food, you've got freedom, you can get freedom doing that. And also the charge, there'll be charge around the body issue that you don't want to be, right? So if you don't want to eat because you want to stay thin or skinny, you've probably got some resistance to being fat, right? So you'd also want to tap about the opposite, right? I don't want to be fat, right? Maybe you've got some friends who are overweight and you've experienced their being teased. So then you'd also tap about that, right? Resistance from being skinny and from being fat, right? The opposites. You hold some emotions or thoughts about each end of each issue and you tap about those until it just becomes neutral. And at some point you can eat whatever you want to eat and it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Wow. I remember when I was younger, um, when I was a teenager, <laughs> like a lot of people would say, oh my God, you're so skinny. You're so tiny for 37 years already. I'm 47 right now. And they're like, you're so tiny. You've known me for 37 years. I'm still the same tiny person. Why does that bother you? It doesn't bother me. Like, honestly, I never had to tap on that. <laughs> I don't think I have to tap on that. <laughs> but I do remember um, being teased saying, um, oh, my God, you need to, you know, you need to eat more. You're so skinny or making fun of my legs, you know, whatever. And that was never an issue until my daughter told me, oh, no, because people told her in front of me once, oh, you need to eat a burger. You need to eat burgers. And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? She's perfect. She doesn't need to eat burgers. <laughs> and I remember that they told me the same thing. Well, well, look at it. Look at it from, from what I've been saying. You, that was part of your signal and you attracted it again, right? The you need to eat burgers, you attracted again later in life through your daughter, right? Because it did actually stick inside of you. In fact, all those phrases that you just said, stuck inside of you otherwise you would not have thought them right those memories would not have come to mind right now if you didn't have them inside of you so if I was you I would write down all those phrases okay you're so tiny and I would tap on them because they are stored inside even of if you. it doesn't bother me you're thinking it doesn't bother you but as you're saying it there's there's emotion inside of you I, I can see it 
from your facial expression, from the tension inside of you as you're saying it. So yes, we have so much, that's what I'm saying. We, we really have no idea how much we store inside of us. So yes, and so you reattracted it through your daughter because it was stored inside of you from your childhood. And that's how the generational things just keep going through the generations because we've heard these sayings, they've been stored inside of us. We attract them again, our, our children hear them, they get them stored inside of them, they attract them again, and it just goes on through the generations. Ah, so this is what you mean by attracting uh, something later on. Because I'm like, how can a child that has been abused attract abuse? Because they were programmed with it in childhood. How though? They experienced it or they someone experienced. If they were abused in childhood, right. that those emotions got stored inside of them, right? They, they were a victim. They also experienced the perpetrator, right? They experienced the person abusing them, right? So sometimes people who have been abused become abusers because they've got both stored inside. They've got the experience that they experienced as being the victim. They've also got the perpetrator's experience. They experienced the whoever, the father, the uncle, the stranger abusing them. Right? That, so that got stored inside of them as part of their signal. And it repeats until they do the work, right? And notice what's happening. Notice how they're feeling. Work through those childhood traumas. Release it so it's no longer part of their signal. Then they don't attract it the same way. Interesting. Because it's like, I never, you know, thought that if a child was abused, but neither of the parents were previously abused, how would they attract that? How did the parents attract it? No, how did the, the child, child attract that? Well, in those first 70 years of life, that's where they're just being programmed. That's where their signal is being set. Right. They're being programmed in those first years and that then becomes their signal and, and they repeat it over and over again. Yeah, I understand about the repeating part. But if a on the se first seven years, because technically it's on the first seven years mostly that the child start getting abused, right? So if a baby it's abused, sexually abused, how did they attract that? Well, the, the attraction, I don't think attraction is, is happening in those early years. That's when the signal is being set. They didn't attract, it's not their fault in any way. It's not their fault. They're just being programmed in those first years of life. And then they start attracting, right? Later on, they start attracting based on that signal that's been programmed. So yeah, there's, there's no fault at all, right? It's just we're, we're programmed in childhood and those feelings get stored inside of us, right? Those feelings of being afraid, of being, yeah, mostly being afraid, right? The fear gets programmed inside of us and we feel that fear. We know what it feels like inside and we, that's, that's part of our signal. So we attract that feeling again, right? We attract events oh, that make us feel I get that you same now. fear okay. again. Until we, Until we notice mm. that fear, right? And, and allow it to be felt work through those childhood traumas where that fear got established and then it's no longer a part of our signal once we, we release that attracted anymore once once we yeah. oh okay okay oh 
Very interesting. Very interesting. What is your perception of beauty? Since we were talking about, <laughs> since we were talking about uh, body image and and having confidence and attracting different signals, now I'm curious to know what is your perception of beauty. <laughs> well, it's very different, and there's so many different aspects of it. But I know the way I talked about it last time is I, a lot of us see beauty in symmetry, right? In balance. So. Yeah, if you look at really beautiful faces and, and in ancient Egypt, the statues they built or they created in ancient Egypt are totally symmetrical, even more symmetrical than people think we could make today. So they knew something about symmetry. And, you know, the work I've done, the inner work I've done, I know creates more symmetry because I'm so much more symmetrical than I used to be. Right. So that the. the after I'd done the feeling, the feelings, right? And I worked through many different collective traumas with feeling the feelings as opposed to EFT. I was actually able to put my awareness inside my body. And then I started working through the connective tissue, the tension in the connective tissue, and eventually got to the place where I could put my awareness inside my head. And the tension in there was just unbelievable how much pain and tension was still in my head that I had lived with 50 years and I had no idea was there. But I kept working through it little by little and I could actually feel my skull bones relax. Felt really, really good. But it wasn't until last year where I had x-rays taken compared to 2013 and I could actually see that my skull was becoming more symmetrical. My, my jawbone was way off to the side and it's now much more centered. My eye sockets were off alignment and are more aligned now. My neck was totally bent. Um, I have, have had scoliosis my whole life. It's still got more to do, but it's a lot straighter than it was. So I know that releasing this tension on the inside allows things to become more symmetrical, which is also another way of saying balanced, right? Because I am so much more balanced on the inside and as within, so without, right? I'm so much more balanced on the outside, both physically and emotionally. So there's no way I'm probably ever going to call myself beautiful, but the balance is there. And, and in really beautiful faces, you can see that there is balance. Wow. <laughs> and you saw this balance with, with your x-rays? You can actually see oh, yes. it? Oh yeah, totally. Very, very different. Yes. And I know I, I, right. I am emotionally more balanced. I also can balance more than I ever could, right. I can balance on one foot, right. I can, I can balance in multiple different arenas better than ever before because of this releasing of tension from the past. Yeah. Cause you have that on your website, the, the before and after with the, um, x-rays like how can she tell the difference in this you know like do I have to learn how to read x-rays because I'm like so if you really cl pay close attention you can see the difference I, I can see them easily like the the gap between the especially for me which is not easy to describe but the the gap underneath the cheekbones to the the teeth it's it's huge 
compared to where it used to be. So my whole jaw bone has changed and centered and released intention. Yes. So, but I've always loved those like um, spot the difference puzzles, you know, where you can see the difference between two things. <laughs> so, oh. Yeah, for me, it's easy. Oh, wow. It's just like, where's Waldo? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you like those puzzles, go to my website and have a look at the x-rays. Oh, nice. Because you mentioned that you even grew half an inch. I'm like, every three quarters of an inch. Oh, wow. Yes, three quarters I was like, oh my God, yeah. I, let me, let me start releasing tension and see. That's why people tell me that, that <laughs> I, it looks like I'm shrinking. <laughs> well, if you're holding tension in your shoulders, you're probably also holding a lot in your neck, ah. right? So this, this releasing of past programming and tension, it's, it's not that I've grown, right? It's, but I've released right. that burden. So my neck is actually stretching to where it would normally more naturally right. have. Yes. Where it's supposed to yes. be rather than where it is. Right. Yeah. So I was always five foot and a quarter and I always, it was really important. That quarter inch was always really important <laughs> to me. <laughs> right. And so I was that height from, you know, from a teenager until a few years ago. And I only, you know, we don't check our height when we're, when we're older <laughs> there's no reason because we expect to stay the same height right so I don't know how long it's taken me to to grow but it's probably the last couple of years and it's been a quarter of inch this year because I had my son measure me a few months ago and then my husband measured me just recently and so I'm now five foot five which is so fun oh wow nice hmm I don't think I can grow that much <laughs> You may well be able to grow an inch. <laughs> yeah, I'll try and I'll let you know. <laughs> but none of this was intentional, right? My goal was to find inner peace. Right. That was always my goal. These physical changes have just been a side effect of releasing that mm. tension to find inner peace. Yeah, and that's what we all want. It's not really, you know, to grow or to be poor whoever people want us to be is what, how we want to be and how we want to, um, first of all, is accepting who we are, how we are, what we look like. Right. This whole path was acceptance along the way. And we hide, right? We hide our truth so well, right? So it's not always easy to find our truth, but when we can, it's acceptance, it's feeling it, allowing it to be felt, allowing it to release, and then the next level shows up. Yes, it's, it's how we show up, um, what I was trying to. So being unapologetically you, to me, means being true to who you are and what you believe in. In other words, not seeking approval to show up authentically in order to blend in. What was something that you stopped apologizing for? And this could be before you learned all this awesomeness on how to release your tension <laughs> or maybe something that you stopped recently apologizing for that helped you um, in your writing, maybe your book or in your business or in your personal life. What was that something? Well, the only thing that comes to mind is, is that feeling of who am I to share my story? Right, which is something I think I tapped on at the time. I think we a lot of 
us have that thought, right? Yes. Right, am I important enough to share my story, right? Who am I? And I did, I I think I must've tapped on it, but I got over it and realized, okay, I need to share my story because I've not heard this from other people. I didn't know we had the ability to change our skull bones or to, to even focus inside of our body. I didn't know that was available to us. And I want other people to know that. So it has to be me, right? I have to be the one sharing it because I've experienced, I can talk about it. So yeah, yeah, that was it. I love it. I love that you said that you can talk about it. I usually tell people, you don't have to go on social media, on Facebook and scream out loud that, you know, maybe something traumatic as being raped and you're going to tell the world if you're not okay with that. Maybe it's just writing it down or telling one person. You never know the impact that you are going to have on that other person. Maybe the person is trying, it's thinking about committing suicide. And our stories can change that person. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. And where can people connect with you to learn more about how you can help them. If you want to connect with me, I've got my website and hints.com, which is where the x-rays are. And I have a public Facebook page and I'm happy to interact with anyone on that. Ah, that is so amazing. And all the links will be provided on the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here with us today. It was a pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you. It was a great conversation. Last one was, and this one was. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> And I am releasing that today. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell us what you think on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, at MyeLens and on Facebook page, Conversations with MyeLens. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time, talk to you soon.